Hello, everybody. My name is Hermano Tevodemander, and I'm a student at the YAC Masters in Advanced Computation for Architecture and Design. Welcome to the podcast titled Artificial Intelligence and BIM as a Medium to a More Sustainable Future. My guest today is Mateus, that is the founder of Object, a company providing services and products based on parametric modeling, design workflow management, digital fabrication, and machine learning. Additionally, he's a research assistant at BTU, where he's involved in machine learning and robotics control research. Previously, he worked at CETA on such projects as complex modeling and DURAC. His interest focus is on machine learning, architectural geometry, and generative algorithms. So welcome, Mateus, and thank you very much for agreeing us to be with us today. Hello. And um, as, a, as a very first question, just for the audience, I would like to introduce yourself and, and tell us how you start this journey as an architect towards artificial intelligence, where you are today. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I would like to hear that. Okay, so yeah, um, I mean, my story is a bit convoluted. So I, I graduated from fine arts around 2012. So, but this fine arts is the only fine arts which uh, gives you a master of architecture with an engineering degree. So, as you can see, it's all a bit uh, mixed. It's a bit blurry from the beginning. <laughs> yeah, it's it doesn't give you a, a a clear direction. Like you can be you can become like a licensed architect in Poland and elsewhere, but we had a really a lot of things which really touched art an art, art subject, so like ceramic, uh, you know, like hand modeling, hand, hand, hand work with, with uh, you know, ceramic and clay and painting and drawing. So it was a very, let's say, Bauhaus-like experience with a school. And that's, uh, you know, the university which I graduated from is actually in my, in my uh, hometown. So, uh, yeah, so anyway, so during that time, I also somehow stumbled upon Grasshopper, and that was, I think, 2009-ish, 10-ish, where a friend of mine from the same school told me that, look, there is this thing which will make you forget about 3ds Max <laughs> and, you know, hand modeling with 3ds Max. And I was, uh, well, first, I remember that he showed it to me, like, around December. I wasn't really interested because I was like fully on like, you know, developing like 3ds Max skills and just, you know, hardware 3D modeling. And then I think after half a year, I realized that there is the, you know, that it actually exists. And then, you know, my, my, my story with parametric modeling really began. So after was I around which year? I'm sorry, and that was 2009 or 10, something like that. 2009 and 10. Wow. And then yeah. Grasshopper was launched 2007. I think, yeah, there were some like very early releases around 2007 or 8, which were first they were called Explicit History. I'm not even sure if Explicit History were ever, was ever published publicly. Then I know that the first Grasshopper was, the, the first Grasshopper forum was held on Google, uh, Google forums. I, I can't remember what was the name of Google forums. I think it was Google groups or something like that. So that's that's when I started working towards that, and you know I was after after graduating fine arts, I never you know I mean it was even before my graduation I never really realized that that I would be coding ever because I was really into fine arts and uh, yeah let's say fine arts and 
yeah but let, let's say i was more fine arts than architect right or more than engineer really so then when the grasshopper happened i discovered that i started learning and i went really like full on in that direction so i almost failed that year because of that uh, i spent too much time just learning parametric modeling and then i think after like two years i started coding and then you know my, my coding history is i think there is the, the thickest book there is just uh, you know the one which i started to uh, to read i read 600 pages without writing a single line of code just wow. to understand all the principles i did not understand a single line like a single thing out of that book but then <laughs> after like me. reading yeah i mean i just i was just reading i was just stubborn like i need to read i need to learn that so i will just do that and i have spent like two months reading those 600 pages <laughs> But I mean, that's, uh, yeah, I, I, I usually like to take the long, uh, long, long way, way around. Yeah, long, long way around so that I know that I don't skip anything. But anyway, so after those 600 pages, I just, you know, sat in front of Grasshopper. I knew by then that there is some, you know, scripting components in Grasshopper. And, you know, I just started scripting literally the first, I think the first line of code was a equals x or a equals 10 and that was just outputting the number from component and then you know the, the story really started there and yeah so so i mean it's uh, that's that's how i started coding and really i also fell for that and then we made quite a lot of workshops around the world especially in europe i mean mostly in europe really but then I did some in the United States as well later on. And uh, I think because of those workshops, I got some recognition and that's how I got employed in CETA. I did some plugins as well in the meantime. And that's, you know, the CETA students were also using those those tools. So in the end, we, yeah, they, they hired me for us for the DuraArc project for half a year. And, you know, by then I was already coding professionally. So it took me like five years to really learn, learn that, but yeah, but no, I mean, of course I'm still learning. I mean, I don't consider myself, I mean, computer scientist really, but also I, I mean, I, I code professionally. So it's uh, yeah, IT right now, rather than architecture in the end. You know, it's um, actually and yeah. So in the meantime, you know, like when you when you when I when I was coding, I was really. Uh, uh, how long should this webinar like? How long should this podcast be? <laughs> I long? mean, how much time we have? Well, <laughs> can you edit it later on? <laughs> as far as you can give, so no yeah, stress. Because, yeah, I mean, because then we have uh, the time when. You know, I, I started coding professionally, really, when I, you know, got to CETA and then before to do like workshops and also some kind of, you know, small jobs uh, as a freelancer. But then really, uh, you know, my, my way of learning was to figure out the problem, find out the problem and then figure out the solution with that, for that. And I, of course, I started with very simple problems, which I knew there are some existing solutions for that. So. For a long time, I was inspired just with computational geometry and different computational geometry problems, like, you know, just how kangaroo works. I tried to do my own kangaroo 
and uh, you know, really, uh, I, I followed a lot of uh, a lot of uh, Helmut Potman publications, Helmut Potman's publications from uh, Vienna. So he has, you know, the circle of really great uh, computer scientists and Mark Pauli from Lausanne. And you know, I was just reading that. They do not understand the thing about you know the mathematical bits there because there it's some quite advanced mathematics there. But I just wanted to re redo it, and I just uh, yeah. So I just tried to do that, but then at some point I figured out that uh, well there is this part of computer science in in design, and then there is some other part, and then there is AI, right? So I went for AI. And this is uh, where I just started, you know, figuring out what can we do with AI. And uh, as usual, just to learn anything about AI, I just started to code the plugin, our plugin. So that is really, you know, the plugin is out there because I just wanted to learn how to do it. And then apparently now a lot of people try to use it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, it's quite hard to use it without uh, good... Uh, introduction to that because i mean machine learning is hard really uh, we will talk about why is it so hard later on i think <laughs> so yes. we'll, yeah so and that's also, the, i would really. ask you um so you mentioned something like you you like to learn by defining a problem and i think that's such an interesting way because sometimes we all graphs we got excited about your technology or something we just want to implement it and we don't have when you don't have a well-defined problem you can just go in multiple directions you know mm -hmm. so what if you remember what is the very first not the first but what is the first problem you solved that really strikes you and this is like this is the direction i want to go oh man that's that's a good question but i think one of the big challenges like one of the big problems which i wanted to solve and i actually figured it out like my own way i think that it's already like it's like I, I just didn't read the solution and then implement it. I actually worked on my own solution and that, that took me a couple of years actually. It was just a, a hexagon, uh, like this, uh, how do you say that? Freeform planar, planar uh, tessellation of geometry, right? So, you know, take any freeform geometry, uh, divide it into panels and then make those panels uh, flat and watertight at the same time. So that was like one thing which which I did. And I tried to publish that, but <laughs> I mean, I don't have time for that right now. <laughs> there is other stuff which needs to be published. So that was like one thing which, which we solved. But then, you know, for when it comes to like professional coding, we are mostly working with customers which who, who really have, I mean, very specific problems, usually close to fabrication. So, you know, there's this entire chain of designing and, and, and conceptual design, and then finally there's fabrication. So usually we are at, at the latter part where we try to get from design to fabrication, try to follow some industrial constraints. Uh, I mean, we work with different industries, but uh, when it comes to that, it's um the problems the problems which are out there is not really those are not really like major geometrical or computational geometry problems it's often about uh, user interface ease of use efficiency reducing you know fabrication time reducing uh, wastage yeah. 
Facade. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's not really often about like inventing some new exciting algorithms. It's usually about finding the right algorithm, which is already out there, make a good implementation and, you know, be knowledgeable enough to know which algorithm suits a particular problem. Right. Then when you started, when you just graduated and started feeling this kind of computational design path, do you ever mm -hmm. dream or have an idea that you ended up what you are today or was a continuous and <laughs> unseen exploration? You never knew what it's going to end up. Mm, yeah, that's a good question. So, I mean, I started the story about like, the, how do I get there uh, with uh, architecture, but the truth is I wanted to be a dentist for a long time. Okay. Okay. This is a different uh, podcast now. Yeah, so <laughs> this is really that, good. Yeah. So, you know, it started with dentists. Like I wanted to be a dentist when I was 14. I wanted to be an architect when I was like 10. Then I wanted to be a dentist. I actually spent a lot of time uh, trying to become a dentist and I failed to get to the university. Uh, any, sorry, any dentist on the family? No, not really, but you know, you know, so I, I knew it's possible, right? So we had, we had some, um, yeah, so I failed to get to the, uh, to the, like the medical university as a dentist, but I got myself into environmental studies for a year just to, you know, have some grasp with chemistry and biology. And then at some point, a friend of mine, you know, which I met just randomly on a train, he just told me that, look, if you want to be an architect, you know, that dream of mine when I was 10, <laughs> you can do that because, you know, he knew, we knew each other quite well. I mean, we know each other quite well and he knew how well I draw, like that I can draw and I can pass the art uh, school exams if I want to. So that's, it was, yeah, I mean, in the end right now, I'm in the, I mean, what I can say from uh, today's perspective is I'm exactly at the point where I wanted to be, but I never really wanted that I want to be here. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's, I mean, that's, uh, it just, you know, it just, follow the, the flow and it usually, you know, whenever you are, I mean, I don't want to sound like a motivational speaker, but whenever you follow something and you put some heart into it, I think it's it will get you to the right place. It, 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 yeah. You're just going to end up in the, in the place, in the right place. I always, I mean, I always had this idea of just never really I mean, it's, it's, so, it's, it's, it, I know it's such a trivial thing to say, and it's like every motivational poster out there. It just to never really work if you, if your work is a hobby, right? So it's, uh, absolutely. I kind of followed that, but I never really felt inspired by any of those posters. <laughs> but at least you can, you can look at your 10 year old version of yourself and it says, yes, I become an architect, but also I want to touch on another, on another thing before we jump to the next question is. I also interviewed another expert um, related to artificial intelligence, and it's, it was so difficult for me to be able to define define yourself, right? So if I, I need to present yourself, is yes, you're an architect, but yes, you also, uh, uh, you know, I don't know how you call it, an expert, a data scientist in a certain way, and you also an expert on digital. I mean, the, the, the spectrum of architect has become so broad in you, and you use such a hybrid of different things. Mm -hmm. That's what you are today, what you are. Um, and I think that's what's really fast. What's a good problem that I have? Because like, you're not an architect. Yes, you're an architect, but you're mm -hmm. much more than that, you know? 
Yeah, I mean, I, to be honest, I don't consider myself an architect. Uh, I mean, I'm still in the architect's chamber, in the Polish architect's chamber, because I just want to, you know, just have my, you know, one leg in there just to see what is going on around in the in the industry. But really, I I think we are more into IT right now. So if you but have to with, define your title, how you call you, if you have to introduce yourself in one sentence. Uh, yeah, I think it will be uh computational designer i go. think yeah i think that is that becomes a profession Absolutely. really that becomes a profession and i think that we are just you know the first generation of, of that so it's somewhere in between computation and design that's a good one um now i'm going to jump into into the next one that it's um if you help us to for the audience and for the for the, the one of us that we're not that familiar with artificial intelligence to help us to explain on simple terms what is artificial intelligence and in your opinion so far has been introduced into the design and construction industry mm -hmm. yeah uh, that's a good question so i'm i mean uh, i'm i'm writing my phd thesis right now in in btu it's a long process, but what I managed to do so far is to define what AI is for the sake of this thesis. So I'll just quote it. I mean, quote my own quote my uh, my own words really there. For me, and that I mean, I'll I will describe it why is it defined in such a way. But for me, AI is, AI is just anything that really replaces or aids the intellectual process. And I would say even replaces some intellectual process would be better. Now, what I mean by intellect, I mean intellectual work really. So it does some intellectual work for you. And why did I coin such a, I mean, probably there is some better definition for that, but for me, that was a good definition because I had the problem in my thesis, whether to include optimization algorithms as AI and Accordingly to that definition, you know, replacing some intellectual work or doing some intellectual work with computers or with algorithms, let's say, it, it seems that optimizers or optimization is AI. And I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying it's the best definition or is the right or is it even correct, uh, technically correct definition. I just think that, you know, for whenever you have any kind of, uh, no technical definition of something which is not really well uh, placed or well defined. You have to define it for the sake of your argument. That that's how I did it for my my argument in my thesis, right? Absolutely. So, in that case, uh, can you repeat the question? Yeah. So that's AI. I mean, that's AI for me. Like anything that really replaces some does some intellectual work for you. So if you and if you work, if you do something at your work and you don't use your hands to do it physically, right? Mm. And it and, and then there is something which does some part of it for you. I think that's just an AI. Of course, you can argue that, you know, a Word, uh, Microsoft Word is also a part of that because it formats text for you, right? But that is really more about the thought process and about some computation, right? Absolutely. So, yeah, it's yeah. an interesting definition. And like you said, that borrow himself to then think of, well, you know, some basic process on a calculator can also be think of that. I want to ask you, maybe this is out of the script, but I want to put you on the spot. It's like, so then what, how do you find intellectual? Uh, yeah, that's a good <laughs> one. 
<laughs> intellectual means that uh, okay yeah that, that one is actually quite simple definition I would say so intellectual will, will mean any information processing or data into knowledge data into information right so any, any really processing of information so any process that takes raw raw data and be able to manipulate to create knowledge out of mm -hmm. out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I would I wouldn't really narrow it down to only that. You know, there is this chain of data, knowledge, information, then you know, wisdom and so on. So I think any transition is really a part of this information processing. Wow. So I like it because also it's a really I mean I've been I've been reading a lot and also chatting with a lot of people and it gets complex and technically extremely quickly. Yeah. And this is the first I'm time somebody <laughs> I'm certainly I'm certainly oversimplifying it right now. And I think that most computer scientists will tell me that I'm, you know, talking crap right now. But I mean, you know, for the sake of my PhD thesis and I'm looking from that perspective and just to clarify everything and just to have a very clear direction in which I want to go, I think that those are the just the definitions which I take as uh, granted really i i mean yeah they just ease the process no, absolutely and also i think if somebody is is able to explain something in such a simple terms it's because you really grasp the main concept of it in a certain yeah, way right? i hope so i hope so i really hope so i don't I also know. Hope so. i'm looking forward to that uh, that publication <laughs> yeah so, i mean that, that's a long process that's i mean how long are you in? I mean, this uh, is uh, the second year, third year, what are you? Yeah, it's second year right now, like officially a second year, but I really wanted to do a PhD for like seven years right now. So I, I started, uh, I started with PhD around 2013, <laughs> really. And then, uh, yeah, it never really happened. I just always prepared like different, uh, you know, cover letters and just applying to different programs. I never really got one. I don't know why. I think I cannot. I mean, yeah. I think that uh, my problem is that I, because of, yeah, I think that because of the oversimplification of those, of some of those definitions, and you will see that, uh, you know, if we talk more about AI actually, and some specific applications, you will see that I have a very down to earth uh, approach. And that means that I don't consider it. A revolution, for instance. Okay, interesting. Right, so you know, it's really hard to sell it. <laughs> it's really hard to sell it, really. But that's, uh, yeah, I think that's something which, uh, I think, in the long term, people do appreciate that kind of honesty. No, absolutely. Okay, so or maybe I'm uh, not to offend anyone. I don't want to say that someone who thinks it's revolution is. It is not honest. So it just, you know, my view. So, yeah, really. it is. It is. But you know, the there is a hype. There is a hype out there, right? We know. That's, that. that's what I'm able to say. It's for the ones that don't really understand what is what is under the bonnet. You know, yeah. it's so easy to get hype. You know, and then just. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, also, not, I mean, so that. that people won't think that I'm uh, crazy right now. I don't consider it a revolution. I consider it an evolution, really, right? Which means that there will be a lot of work to be done, but it will be very gradual rather than revolutionary, right? Or so everything inside out, right? I need to ask you, artificial intelligence, innovation or disruption? 
I know the answer based on what you say, I can imagine. Yeah, yeah, it's, I, I would say, it, yeah, I, I wouldn't say it's disruption, at least not now, right? And innovation, yeah. it's also really hard to talk about innovation really in that context because we have, you know, in my, in my thesis, the first part of my thesis is just a, a you know, a, a, a huge analysis of like 400 publications from the last uh, 40, 50-ish years. And the ideas which we are talking about right now, they were all present back then, right? So all the way to the 80s, or even if you dig deeper, if you read into purely uh, um, uh, computation, like uh, computational science papers, there were papers about what we are talking about right now in the 50s, right? <laughs> they were, of course, not using the terms which we are using right now, or maybe not in the maybe not really knowing in which direction it will evolve, but people knew that it's going to happen. It was just always an ambition to do it in the next 10 years. And I think yeah. that, yeah. So, you know, there is this uh, perspective as well. So I think you help us really, you help us really understand, you know, in a really simple way, what artificial intelligence and I mean, there is a lot of different type of applications out there, but relate the ones that you have seen and you've been more in contact with for our industry, mm -hmm. uh, which are those? I mean, if somebody needs to understand what is artificial intelligence today? Yes. Growing yes. on the field, what is those? Yeah, so there is there was a big movement in the 90s to uh, explore uh, expert systems, right? So uh, knowledge engineering, knowledge databases. There was something that was something really big in the 90s, as far as I know, 80s as well. I mean, 80s in computer science in general, and then 90s, I saw that there is quite a big, quite a few publications about expert systems in architecture, right? The problem uh, which happened back there was that uh, once you have a system, you also have to put the knowledge in and that cost and that practical uh, effort uh, to put the knowledge in in a system uh, it's it seems that it it was just a bit too big or too uh, how do you say that like it didn't give you back as much as you put into it right so it was not really efficient or we would say a good investment right it was it it, it was easier to hire an engineer rather than hire someone to make you an engineer like an expert system right because it was just so much more effort than to hire one uh, now uh, so that was that but there was still there was i think uh, there's this really great book which i really recommend to anyone quest for ai by uh Nielsen, right that's okay. I think that's quest for AI. Yeah, the quest for AI. Yeah, the quest for artificial AI. Or uh, let me see the exact name. Just a second. Yeah, the quest for artificial intelligence, and it's right. Neil Niels J. Nielsen. So it's a really great book with you know by uh, one of the, the field legends, but he really describes the history really well, and I've been you know. Everything which I'm talking about right now, when it comes to computer science, I think it's just based on this book, really. Isn't that so? You know, 80s, 90s expert systems, but but then there is the research which I did in architectural design that was 90s. I saw there is uh, there was a couple of publications on expert systems. 
Now, Niels J. Nielsen, in his book, writes that about some companies using those expert systems to do particular jobs, really, right? And there were the, he discovered he describes a couple of like successful companies which were able to commercialize the systems based on the expert systems. Now, I couldn't find anything similar, but you know, I'm I would have to probably ask someone who is more knowledgeable in that uh, in that period of time. Uh, but I couldn't really find anything about like commercial successes in the nineties. To be honest, the peak uh, peak uh, research, uh, you know, the cutting edge research was really more about parametric modeling. Right from from now we we can see that right that absolutely with with you know parametric modeling, which was also based on what engineers did for years, but it was the nineties, right? And, and there was some approaches with expert systems or some really uh, like conceptual papers with different ideas what we could do with that, but I couldn't really find any application. So the first application of, sub, of AI, which I consider AI really, I would say it's... Uh, okay, so that's also not to, not to anger anyone. <laughs> uh, we have... Uh, I saw uh, you were about to, to go into yeah, muddy territory. So what I, I what I mean by the first commercial application, I mean a tool which is publicly available, used by a majority of uh, you know the design community. That they uh, don't have knowledge of AI particularly. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it publicly available, world, you know, widespread tool which I think is using AI. For me, it's Galapagos, right? But also, I think there are some people out there which probably will point to something which was earlier. Maybe some, you know, some other stuff. But anyway, for for me, that's I'm I'm assuming that's Galapagos. And then really, what was what is the next bit which we can see being popularized right now is generative design by mm. Optimus, which is using topology optimization. And I think they're using some evolutionary solvers as well in there. So. And then I think this, you know, for the ones that we can see, you know, when I started googling now, and of course, Autodesk did a, a massive commercial marketing drive into it. And I think they help us, they help to take the passwords into everybody's minds, you know, and everybody talk about generative design and all that kind of stuff. Um, and also now there is a lot of platforms. For instance, Auto has been, I think they bought, um, I think Space Maker, Space. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, because I think that there would be like, uh, yeah, I, 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 they are not using evolutionary solvers in the gen generative design. They're using topology optimization, as far as I remember. Yeah. Right? But I think it's spiced up with something, but I don't really know that so much so well. So I don't really know. But topology optimization is really there. So you're, and thinking... you're saying that you're saying that we uh, space maker, right? The thing with the space maker. I didn't really have time yet to investigate that, but it seems that it's just a complex, like really complex parametric model, which, you know, fits the buildings in the site. I'm not sure what exactly is there. It could be done with like so many different ways. Yeah, no, absolutely. So many different ways, so. So if you have to kind of blank, like make an statement, not a statement, but will you, it will be correct to say that an industry, the design, the design construct, yeah, the architecture industry is still quite new on AI and still has a lot to do compared to other ones. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think that, that yes, it, yeah, we do nothing about AI really right now, <laughs> almost nothing. So we have optimi optimization that's quite widespread and you can have like, 
uh, there is at least a couple of companies which I know, like structural engineering companies, which mm. use optimization to come up with some particular some design solutions for uh, you know like structural solutions for for particular buildings, and there are buildings being built. Uh, uh, using that software, right? I'm not sure if they're using Galapagos, but I'm sure they are using optimization and and even genetic algorithms uh, specifically. So there is, uh, it is already out there. That's what I consider as a as a as thing which exists, right? That's uh, you know, and then we have uh, generative design from Autodesk. Then we have SpaceMaker, which I don't really know how it works yet. I don't really know if they even describe it in depth, but then we have not that yeah. much. I still, I think is uh, what I'm seeing is more not, commercial, you know. Yeah, but there is not so really like there is as you, as you can see, we don't really have anything out there which is able to work with AI out there, and that is a deeper problem, really. That's actually the topic of my thesis, like why it doesn't work. And I would ask you so. Because also I come across this problem that I've seen is the only things that, my, that myself, the only things that I can access as an architect without getting to learn properly the whole data science of artificial, the only thing that I can access so far is through commercial applications, right? If I get a subscription to this one or buy this package or things like that, right? Yes. Um, is that either the route or I take the route of actually, like you said, the long way around, grab a book, learn the basics and so on. I think that currently is like the two main path for it. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen much something in between. And I think maybe through Grasshopper and the Wallace and Wallapagos, we want to start getting those midterms. Mm -hmm. But do you think in our field, we still, for like maybe in the next five years, we're going we're gonna to feed ourselves through commercial applications of AI? Because it seems it's going to be the way to go so far until we got architects getting out of you know, the drawing boards. And yeah. become more of a data scientist, right? That, that's a very tricky question because you have, uh, you have, let's say, the research which is happening in our architectural design domain, and you know we know each other. Like you attend like five conferences, and you know like seventy percent, seventy percent of the entire industry, and you know what they are doing, right? But then there are companies which are just out of our scope, like Google, for instance. And I'm not sure if you know, but Google even made a BIM online viewer yeah, so years ago. And it's it's a nice viewer. Uh, I think that it's, I'm not sure if it's available online, but I saw some demos of that where you could just view a 3D model. I know they have nothing to do with architecture really, or unless I don't know something about them. But you know, there is, there is not really like, if you think about it, they don't really have any interest in doing that. I mean, they have interest in collecting data, so that's the only thing which I can absolutely figure out, right. But they, yeah, that you never know what they come up with. So, and computer scientists are, you know, uh, yeah, I think we are missing collaboration between computational uh, computer computer scientists and architects, really, on like on a serious level. I I, I mean, I've been in a project like Drag, for instance, which was. A, a collaboration, but there was a majority of computer scientists mm. and us as a minor minor part in that as <laughs> The weird people. It was, it was really, you know, we were part of the entire process and it was really great, a really nice project. Uh, but in the end, uh, you know, the, those are 
I mean, uh, those collaboration uh, collaborations, as far as I understand, don't happen very often, and it's also very hard for the computer scientists to provide architects with tools which they consider useful, really, or yeah. not even useful. Uh, I think that's 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 out there, but really, right now we don't. Okay, so. We, we really, okay, so maybe just let's turn it around the question. Yeah. As architects, we have really a problem of defining the, the uh, we have an issue with defining what kind of problems we have. Absolutely. Okay. So, true. so that's, that's what is, I think, stopping us from getting forward. And that is really, I'm also like trying to repeat what Daniel Davis wrote in his recent uh, post on his blog uh, about like, AI and, and hopes for AI, you know, he does a lot of research on AI as well. And what he wrote was that AI, first of all, I think uh, will probably in architecture, AI in architecture will probably look more like uh, auto autocorrect function in you know Google Mail or autofill function rather than a thing which will replace the designer entirely, right? Interesting. Or, Interesting. or add a big part of design to the to the to the to the table, right? I think that that's also the direction which I would like to follow. But and then you have Google, which they are or OpenAI or DeepMind, whatever you know the companies are called, and you never know what they come up with because they are just light years ahead <laughs> of everything, really. Yeah, yeah. So, so it feels like. Um... It feels like there is not much AI happening on our field yet in architecture, and the little that is happening, oh, I think I'll, I don't want to make such because it might, it might be great architects doing great things, but I think on a percentage base, it feels like most of the AI doing in our field is actually not doing by architects, and not, you know, the architects might be a, a small percentage on the room, right? I mean, yeah, I would say that the, the the research right now is done by those computational designers, which I talked about, right? So the profession of computational designers, but that's again, I think that's still not enough. I think to like the cutting edge AI research is something, I think, a bit more complex. Like yeah. for instance, I kind of understand how AlphaGo works when I read it, but I wouldn't really write it myself. It requires a lot of more skills and you know lights. Uh, lights here ahead of us and also years of research in that particular subject and you know that's just something uh, you know i could i could use it successfully right i could probably if i if i got you know an instruction how to use it and what what everything i could read it and use it and understand it right and probably like fine-tune the parameters and train it maybe right but i couldn't write it myself and that's really uh yeah, that's really, uh, yeah, that, that, that's really one of the issues right now. And could be that alienating? I'm sorry? Could that, be, could, do, could that be alienating, something that alienates then the people that don't understand what's happening under the hood, that maybe in the long run will be a lot of people? I don't know. I mean, there's... Uh, Like, for instance, as, as an example, yeah, I'm ready yeah. to wrap up this entire like the last couple of sentences when it comes to like access to the software, right? And then, yeah, because I'm not I'm not shooting yeah, any questions here, though. <laughs> we are we are we are talking right now about like architects using AI, 
and 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 different tools, different companies, and so on. But I think the principal question really is what kind of problems would do you like to would you like to solve with, mm. with those tools? So and now you say as you said, like like uh, there is uh, there are people like okay, so there are people who could do the easy way, right? And just use whatever is out there. And there are people who could research that and then there is something in the middle, right? But what I really think is that I don't know the answer for this because I don't know what are the problems out there. Uh, so of course we can we can discuss the problems like you know efficiency, building efficiency or assembly efficiency and, or anything. But the problem with, with defining those is that I often find that whenever you try to define a problem, it is really a very narrow problem, narrow area, mm -hmm. and have a successful application, you have something which is just wider, right? Or, so, and, and, and then you have, okay, yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt, but actually this is lead me perfectly to then, mm -hmm. to a question that actually you helped me to define the question now. It's, and you talk about, it seems we have a lot of solutions. Yeah. We have, we have the, the, the tools and the processes to solve a lot of different things, but now the problem is to define the problem, right? Yeah. And then, then that's when I think the architects falls in. Mm -hmm. We as architects, we are the exactly. ones that need yeah. to actually define the problem. And we're not, that we're struggling so much because we, I mean, we can define our traditional problems and that's what we keep doing. Mm -hmm. And that's why we define traditional problems and we throw traditional tools to it, right? Yeah, yeah, but I mean that's that's the thing. Like we're, we're defining the problem is really the most challenging part because it uh, when you talk about AI or just any research, like uh, any any science, let's say research, scientific research, right? To define the problem is to uh, Is to define like hard, like hard or even soft constraints, and very, very like uh, very clear boundaries of what you want to do. And with architecture, we have a problem of defining what architecture is, really, right? <laughs> like you know, on the on the contrary, like whenever you read like any kind of architectural theory, there, like, you can argue even whether a window is an opening or there is a feature like of how you write down a window as, 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 as an architectural building or is you know is, is architecture frozen music mm. <laughs> but uh, you know uh, that's that's uh, I'm, I'm now diving into like the representation problem but the representation problem also like really gets into the way of defining the problems and and also the way we describe the problems really uh, and you know, in like whenever you have some problem in science, it's kind of well understood whenever you solve it, right? If it works, it works. With architecture, we never really works when it, we never really know when it works because it's, <laughs> it's very true. Right? It's so true. It's, it's very subjective, right? And and if it I, falls, if it doesn't fall, then. It could mean that's that it works, but, but doesn't now mean that it works. About engineering, but see, that's that's what that's the problem. Now you are talking about engineering, not about architecture. True. Yeah, because I mean, we can design a building and we take a lot of assumptions and how people will react and use a building, but we don't measure that. And 
because yeah, you know exactly right we don't we don't even have ways to measure architecture as per se and what if if now we have right like uh, like for instance that's gets to my topic now you know it's you know first of all remember to describe it like if technology is the answer what is the question from, from cedric price you know yeah. Yeah. So if artificial intelligence is the answer, that that is a doubt on its own, right? What is the yeah. question of architecture for it? Yeah, yeah, and you know that what will what will probably if if AI catches up like really in architecture because I don't think it did yet. I think it just starts. Whether it will you know be much like for a bit longer with us, that's a question. But if it does, I think that it will naturally oscillate towards like or navigate towards uh, very specific problems which are not really architectural design problems or if there are architectural design problems though those will have to be those well-defined problems like for instance layout optimization right yeah uh, I've seen some problems. some great examples on I think Stanley's right. left on that's, that. that's why we have so much research on that because that's kind of a well-defined problem I'm not really glad about how it's done right now because we are missing comparative analysis of different algorithms, and I miss, I kind of miss that. I think there is a paper about, you know, that there, there is, a, a, I think Autodesk Research released a paper about how they designed their own office. And they uh, refer yeah, to they another paper, yeah, they refer to another paper, which is a compilation of all different algorithms, which they looked into when it comes to like optimi optimizing the layout. And there is plenty. And then I, I took a look at that list, and then I took a list of you know all the publications which I analyzed. And the problem with all of that is that we like like we don't even know which one is better because we don't have like ways to compare it to different layouts, right? But layout optimization is just one thing. We have like like I mean, you tell me what are the problems for architects. <laughs> Really, <laughs> like, and I think we have we have way too many that we don't know where to start. But also, we still, like I said before, I think we still caught up on on all problems, right? Like optimize, like actually, like you said, optimize a floor plan. But it's, it's so much beyond that. But we we're not yeah. even looking at it. Yeah, yeah. if you try to grasp it, it becomes uh, you water. Know, it just got out of your Material science or anything, but it doesn't become like architectural design, right? Exactly. And then, you know, there is a lot of, and also on, on the masses, we're doing a lot of research now into, you know, carbon footprint, sustainability, you know, energy, energy efficient, uh, and so on. Yeah, but, but, but that's okay. That's energy efficiency, that's engineering for me. Material science, that's material science, like, you know, what kind of materials to use. Now, now the combination of all of that is still kind of supporting the designer, really, but not doing the design, right? Even if you have, AI, which does everything for you when it comes to engineering, you know, material research and what kind of materials to use, uh, efficiency analysis, like, you know, sunlight analysis, even if you have AI in all of those domains and then the designers can use that with no effort, you still have the designer in there which, who needs to operate all of that. Now, the question is what, what thing gets into that inner circle of the designer? Right. And those problems within this boundary, they are really the problems which we need to define. And the question is whether we are even able to define them. I think that it will be very hard. And yeah. if we manage to define them, do you mm -hmm. think the AI can take that space? Mm -hmm. 
Uh, no, I don't think that it will replace the designer ever. I think it will just aid the designer, just as Daniel Davis says about you know how to feel, how to complete or something like like that. I think that if the AI gets into that inner design circle, it will it will just do that. Uh, but of course, there is this very like theoretical uh, idea that you have like very very vague idea of, of AI which can do everything but and especially like design when it comes to design and can design everything but then I think even if that happens I think that uh, yeah I mean it's really hard to answer those questions right now because we have like we would have to touch like so many different subjects like what is architecture and authorship Course, right yeah. and and that's really like uh, yeah just really hard like okay so let's say that you have some ai which which can replace the designer right and and it doesn't even have any input parameters right it just learns from whatever you just show it the site where you want to build a building and it just does it for you right <laughs> even with managing the entire site uh you know like sourcing the most optimal like energy efficient materials from the you know local companies and then it designs all the layouts now yeah i would say that would be like an ai which replaces architect but then the question is like creativity but then in creativity like don't ask me just ask philosophers right mm. really because that's uh, i don't feel like you know, competent, competent enough to talk about philosophy of design. <laughs> I mean, Mother, on, creativity, really. Based on what you said, is, and I like to hear this, you know, for somebody that has been on the field like you, it's, it, it, AI is, AI is not, it's not a technical challenge. I mean, it is, it's super complex, right? Mm -hmm. But the reason why I haven't penetrated the field in such a way is, is not because we don't have the, the know-how or the technical abilities, because we don't define the problem as well. Yeah, I think that's the main issue. And to define those problems, that's what I'm actually trying to catch up in my thesis. Uh, I mean, is that uh, the first step to define the problems is to define what would you like. Like, even before you are able to define the problem, you need to define what would you like to measure and how to measure it, right? And when it comes to uh, uh, like measurement evaluation that's in architectural design that's quite hard right that's subjective really but even if it's subjective we have methods to do that right we have like you know social sciences you know people who are studying the population and you know the uh, the likings of people right they they usually have tools to do that like statistical analysis of population right and now this is probably where we could reach to. But then, you know, there is always this architect which will tell you that it's all, you know, worthless and authorship and the identity of the architect and creativity of a particular architect is more important than than architecture as, as really a machine, right? Because that's mm -hmm. architecture as a machine in a pure form, right? It's everything is automated and even the, the building is super optimized everything is optimized and that's like and some people will always can always say that this is not architecture it's just engineering in the higher degree 
It's automation. So it's almost really, like, a, like I don't really feel confident when talking about this. It's like, yeah, I don't. It's very blurry, right? I would rather I would rather say that. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I would rather say that. Uh, I yeah. I okay. So what I think is kind of achievable and doable and makes sense from the current perspective and really could bring some benefits is not really to replace the designer is again i will repeat after daniel davis is to do something right. which 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 can aid in small tasks which are problematic or help manage the information in the in the design process not even create information just manage the information so that is also i mean we could talk about uh, Nathan Miller with, you know, Proving Ground and okay, all their yeah. plugins about, you know, data labeling and, and all of that. And that's, I think that's a good, um, that's a good uh, step. Yeah, that's a good approach. step. That's a great next step to do and, 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 and a great scope to work with. And we can define the problems quite easily, uh, even if they are not trivial, like they are not really trivial. And then, and then I think it could, yeah, it could just work from like bottom up. I just think that this top-down approach where you try to replace the designer and just, you know, talk about creativity is a philosophical domain. It's not really a domain for like computational design, let's say, right? Absolutely. Or, mm -hmm. yeah. Absolutely. So I think based on this, we're still quite far um, to then put, put AI, towards you know the service of of more sustainable building but sustainable in the broader term better and better buildings for people and measure it but not because ai is not capable of it it's because we don't know how to define those problems and how to measure it no when because it, we as designers we're not focused on that perhaps yeah when it comes to like environmental impact of the building and you know the carbon footprint and all of that i think it's uh, certainly within our reach right now the problem is that someone has to do that <laughs> and then the problem is uh, also it, it's a lot of work and it will take a couple of years but also it's all about uh, who pays not really like you know you you can you can do something but if you are a small okay so i'm just trying to bring up some example right if you have a building right or a company which does something in a in a specific way it still will not impact the industry it will impact only the local environment right so and whether it turns out to be something bigger it's just a matter of you know all the you know life really right mm -hmm. so that's that's uh and i think that those the the, the things like efficiency of a building like you know minimizing the carbon footprint of all the you know deliveries and and the materials and and all of that it is certainly within the grasp of current knowledge right current 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 state which we have the problem is infrastructure right so that's what when i'm reaching out to nathan miller with proving ground and all of their good stuff which they are doing or with you know rhino and revit now being collaborating together or archicad uh, doing their own a grasshopper plugin but i think there's also some other companies which try to do like a pro, pro, uh, parametric design within uh within some software and i think just the fact that they do it is already like pushing it quite a bit forward right that's 
Katia, right, is now having this node yeah. editor developed, right? So I think that once you get to uh, to have all of those tools like parametric modeling, which then brings the BIM into the picture and then they like labeling the geometry and adding some additional levels of, of detail. Like once you have all of that and all of that infrastructure, solving problems like uh, this energy efficiency and so on, this will be a, not, not a problem. Like we have a solution for that. We have algorithms which will do that, which has missed the in between, right? Between what Absolutely. we have now and what we will have. <laughs> yeah. But the, the, this level and this level is there. It's just the stuff which is in between, right? So. We're missing uh, the middle of the sandwich, that you know, yeah. <laughs> middle yeah, yeah. part. Yeah. And you think, uh, uh, what is the role of Beeman on this? Does he have a role? Does he impact? Yeah. So I'm I'm not a beam specialist. Uh, so just to be clear, uh, <laughs> I, I know what it does. I'm I'm more into parametric modeling, but I know that they are kind of complementary right now. Uh, but when it comes to BIM, I think that, uh, you know, there are practical issues right now. So I remember we had a big problem importing IFC exported from Revit to anything else, right, for instance. So those are like practical issues. But once we have it, it will be like once we have this, but that's again, that's infrastructure, right? That's not really the, the topic, right? But once we have those infrastructural problems, I'm assuming that we can get them. Uh, fixed, then uh, I think everything will become much easier, right? So, and then BIM, BIM, BIM uh, as you say, the role of BIM will be here really to uh, to provide us with data, right? Parametric yeah. modeling is not really Structured there. data, right? I'm not even structural data, but I can imagine like uh, a workflow where uh, you know, AI to be successful, it has to work. I mean, the, let's say supervised learning to be successful, or even like or any any machine learning, machine learning, not AI, machine learning specifically to be successful. And this is really the topic of all the you know publications right now, more or less. I mean, the you know the hype really is more about machine learning than yeah. than the entire field of AI. So when it, we talk about machine learning, we need some data. So BIM can aid us with the data. The problem is that. Currently, that data is somehow convoluted. It's really hard to read. If you try, I mean, I even spoke with, I can't remember who, but there was, I had a talk with a person who told me that within their office, they have like five different ways of labeling rooms in Revit. Just five? Yeah. That's a <laughs> yeah. good one. That's just, that's a really good office. I've seen worse. Yeah. <laughs> So there is, uh, apparently there is no like clear uh, one way of labeling spaces. And I don't know, I'm not a Revit user, so I mean, don't ask me, but if it's, if it's that, then if we solve that, then it will certainly be uh, a good source for data. Uh, but then there is also, so once you have the data, you also have to know what to take out from this, right? Of course, what to look for even. Yeah, so that's another question and that's uh, something which I'm, what I'm trying to work on like the knowledge representation and what kind of what kind of uh, like what part of the of them of the model do you really want to learn about right what is important in that like is uh, i mean i guess everything is important but then you have to start from somewhere right you don't Absolutely. really you don't really climb all the hills at once so. then uh, i want to ask you so um 
if you'd have to give an advice now to uh, a young architect, you know, somebody's in the middle of his career. Yes. Which, and, you know, I mean, maybe look to your, in your case, to your 10 year old version of yourself, want to be an architect and then a dentist and then an architect again. But now young architects, which kind of advice would you give them regarding, because the, the whole architectural career, I think is gonna go now to a massive disruption, but not a, not a technological, on the technological sense, on the conceptual sense. So what, a, what, a, what an architect is and what is his future role and all of that. So based on all of these that we discussed, which kind of advice you would give to a young architect? Uh, personal advice, right? If you have to give advice to yourself, maybe when you were in 2011. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, I know one, learn to code. Perfect. That's, yeah, that's the one which I would, yeah, go with. Code is the way, huh? Yeah, like whatever the problem you will have, you can code. <laughs> like, when, you know, we talked about during this talk, we talked about like, uh, the user interacting with the model, right? The BIM modeling. Then we talked about AI and you know parametric modeling and also uh, like what what the the you know the ready ready made tools out there, you know, which we can use, right? But all in all, the common denominator for all of that will always be coding, right? Because it's all based off on that. So if you want to do something which will probably yeah, now uh, that's a that's a good question because we can have uh, AI which codes for itself, right? <laughs> but anyway, no, I think that coding is really the skill which I I mean I'm I'm one of those people who think that the kids at the kindergarten should already start coding, right? Because it just teaches you how to think logically. Absolutely. Which is all sometimes also a trap, right? Once you start Why? thinking, what is really the trap part? I'm sorry. What what is the what is the trap part of it? In the logical thing, in the logical way of thinking, it really uh, uh, yeah. It, it, I think it can limit your creativity because you don't allow yourself to make mistakes. Mm, and you proceed right. in a really secure stepping yep. way. Yeah, and I think that's creativity. Like when I see, like you know, I have. So I'm, I'm in touch with some people from my fine arts lab, or at least I know what they do, right? I, it's not the same kind of process, right? It's not coding, right? And that's, that's really like, once you start thinking in a particular way, it really changes the way you, you work and then you, when, the way you think. And once you code, it's really hard to forget that way of thinking and come back to some more, let's say, primal. <laughs> You know, like primitive way of thinking. I mean, not primitive. The, the, it's not primitive. <laughs> yeah, but I get you. Yeah. Or primitive in a good sense, like very down to your, you know, inner voice, right? Your it's core, really, yeah. Core, right? Like, it's really hard. So, I mean, you know, myself, I'm thinking recently, I don't have time for that, but I was recently thinking about like going back to painting or drawing, right? Like, you know, not A4 drawing with architectural sketches. But <laughs> with a scale bar at the bottom. You know? <laughs> yeah. No, no, I, I was thinking like about just coming back to art, just, just so that the brain can rest for a second, really. And think about stuff in, in, from a different perspective. And that different perspective yeah. is really what you can lose on the, on the way to, 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 to... And I think it's that. It's not, I mean, you say rest, but I think it's not necessarily rest. It's about become this high rate and be able to be a pendulum that goes between 
the two ways. Yeah, different domains, know? different domains, really. Yeah. That in principle, that's what an architect should do. You know, you should be a mathematician, but also an artist. You know, um, but I think yeah. now sometimes we we shift too much to the artist side and we just feel the floor plan. And now AI is like, okay, he's gonna throw math mathematics on it. So I, I don't know who's gonna win. Maybe he's not winner here or losers. Maybe in the future is, uh, like you said, I like I embrace the idea of. You know, the designer always going to be the designer, but it's going to be equipped with better tools to do better things, you know, and measure it better and so on. Yeah, I mean, that? yeah, but, you know, okay, so if the question like who is going to win, like in the end, the, I mean, the humanity, humanity should really win. And that's, I mean, I, I know it's a cliche thing to say, but, you know, to be, to be honest, I would rather have a, you know, if we talk about like regular architecture and, you know, like, urban, uh, how is, uh, I lost the word, urban uh, development, right? So let's say yeah. that you have a lot master of, plan or... yeah, a lot, like master planning and in the end, like, you know, how the, how the, it's uh, pretty technical, urban sprawl, that's what I'm talking about, right? So whenever you have like urban sprawl anywhere happening, really, like, would you rather leave it for architects to do what they do right now, or would you rather have an AI which would just design some, you know, a couple of houses which are just optimized towards like energy use and and you know carbon footprint in 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 their materials, right? I would rather go for the second, even for the for the sake of losing the creativity bit here, because it's uh, you know it's 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 industry, it's not art anymore, really, right? Building mm. those, houses, of course. I mean, of course, there are exceptions. There are like you know, either settlements with where you, they, you know, want to present like 20 different architects with 20 different buildings, of course. But in the end, when it comes to like 95, 96, 98% of the market, it's, it's actually an industry, right? And it's a very strict process where you have a developer putting out or the investor putting out some money and you have an architect which comes and tries to do something with that. And it's a constant struggle. Architects don't like it. Right, because I don't think that architects like that kind of architecture where they have to count each penny and you know optimize everything towards the investment return. Right, so I don't think that anybody would really cry uh, losing that kind of market. I think that what architects would really like to is to create you know the, the art part of architecture. Yeah. I think based on what you said, it's it feels like that ninety something percent that you talk about mm -hmm. is more manufacturing, more yeah. industrial, right? Yeah. I think that will be, it feels like will be automated through AI systems, but not driven by architects, you know, but but rather yeah. by big platforms, by big corporates. Yeah, but then the role of architect will, will really switch. So for instance, I'm, I'm based in Poland, right? So we have a huge problem with urban sprawl right now. I'm just looking through my window, it's just happening here, right? So <laughs> it's- Good, for example. I'm sorry? Good. Are you looking to a good or bad example through your window? Uh, yeah, it's kind of okay. -ish. Yeah, okay. But you know, the problem with, in Poland is that we have a lack of good legislation, right? So uh, even if the even if the person in the in in the in the city, you know, the person approving the uh, building permits, right? Even if the person sees that something is really tacky or really bad, we don't have tools to effectively cancel it, right? So you, you cannot, like the the, I mean you can argue with with the investor, but in the end, 
it seems like people can just do whatever they want. So there's really not a, you know, there is really not a good, yeah, space around that. Like, you know, the, the lack of legislation is one bit, but, and then you, uh, you say, and then in this case, right? So if we imagine that we just have uh, automated system instead of that person sitting in that office which can guide the investor how to design something right and whether something is good or bad there is no discussion about that there are clear rules in that system and then there is an architect on top of that who or, or a group of architects working Defining for the, city the rules who define the rules right and then the out you know there is the human factor in that process it's what is usually giving away and i think that compromises are not really good in this direction because you know the investor will always look for the return rate not for the quality of architecture right unless uh, you know unless some super expensive stuff which is just you know one person really so i think that in this case yes the architect could really benefit i mean everybody would really benefit from that but of course 90 uh, percent of the architects would be without work right because uh, but then maybe the industry would switch somehow, right? Maybe. No, absolutely. So, I mean, I think I've been taking a lot of your time, um, but it's been it's been an amazing conversation. So now it's um, maybe as a wrap up. I mean, what is your final thoughts regarding the future? I mean, and now I'm going to ask you to, of course, to get into speculative territory. Mm -hmm. You know, but what oh, do you think? Right now. <laughs> For sure. But you know, it's, it's not easy to make these statements sometimes, you know. But uh, like, what do you think is, is the next? Is the next uh, difficult even to tell the next ten years? Ten years too far away. I mean, five years, just one launch by Google can change everything. You know? Also, <laughs> some crazy other platform. But what do you yeah. think is the next five years within a within the architecture industry for AI? Are you think is is massive disruption coming, or you think it will just be completely procedural things? Do you think the role of architecture will change? Uh okay yeah so there is certainly a big incentive towards like any kind of startups with ai and i think that we're going to experience that for us for for a while uh until that burns out but i i don't think it will like burn out completely i just think that people will realize that uh not everything ai fueled will be good and that that's good because that we will have companies who start as startups develop some tools and they will probably be in their market. So in the next five years, if we talk about next five years, I think that hoping good, right? It's hoping that everything is going to be good in the in the optimistic scenario. I think in the next five years, we are going to experience at least a couple of interesting companies emerging, but they will still in those five years, they will still be startups. They will need more time to develop, uh, you know, a corporate uh, mm. corporate scale out of that right so i think that the, there will be some startups they will do interesting stuff which is really worth doing and you know trying to do a lot and then earning some money in those five years will be the first option right the first task uh, and then in the next five years i think you know like the first the first uh you know the a startup will take like a year or two to develop something, right? Innovate and so on. Innovate, right? And then they will continue developing and then trying to apply those tools. So I think that's in the five years. But then till those tools and buildings will be, you know, erected in the end, it will take another five years. Take another five. So now it's a good time to to do that, learn that, and just try to you know come up with ideas for the next five years. 
So then, I mean, if you take the similar path, then, you know, the, the evolution of, I mean, I'm taking Grasshopper maybe as a, a sort of like a benchmark, right? But it's all the great tools out there. But I mean, Grasshopper been launched in 2007, 2008. And mm -hmm. even, I, in my opinion, even until today, it's not mm -hmm. competitional design, it's not a bread and butter of the architect, right? It's not every day. Mm -hmm. Right, yes. it's still a big percentage of the market that if you take even say grasshopper, they're like, yeah, I heard yeah. about that thing. I know yeah. you're talking about the animal or, you know. So yeah. it's been a long year. So for artificial intelligence, right? Mm -hmm. We're still extremely, extremely far to get the everyday architect to be able to, to have his end, to, to, to actually to manage his own artificial intelligence process mm -hmm. instead of consuming from a platform, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think that we have, uh, let's say, let's make this distinction between those like progressive architects trying to use all the cutting edge software. And then we have classical architects who just, you know, make their living. They have to they do go the with, the, with the bulk. Yeah. They have, they just have their tools and they just work the, the, the way they want to work for the last, you know, 20 years, no innovation, just maybe in terms of, uh, actually, uh, in Europe, we are forced to to build energy efficient buildings right now. So that is like kind of a big push for the entire industry in one go, right? To do that, so bottom. educate, right? That is great. But then we will have this like one to five percent of architects, I would say maybe ten percent of architects, who try to do something more than that. And I think this is where 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 we have to focus as computational designers. But then those architects, the rest of them. I think they will catch up at some point once the tools are out there, right? Mm. So once you have, uh, you know, a tool which can do something for you using AI or not, maybe. But once the tool is available to the masses and it's easy to use, I think even the most, you know, classical thinking architects will probably use that, right? So energy analysis for now, I think it became a standard for any big investment, right? So, uh, and running so, uh, simulations on the, you know, thermal efficiency and all of that. And I think it, but it's, of course, it's being done by specialists, but then imagine that this tool is uh, just a single click in Revit, which just gives you instant outcome and you don't have to wait an entire day to give, to have a first impression of how efficient your building is, right? So that's really, I think that, that you know, five to 10 percent will try to innovate and do other stuff, right? And do everything with new cutting edge tools. 90%, I think they will eventually catch up in the end. But it was, we're still quite far, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we are, yeah, we are. But, uh, you know, like, uh, I always like, I, I, have, I have this like AI lecture, which I always show, and there is, uh, this slide from Samuel Wilkinson, uh, PhD. Uh, so he developed a neural network which uh, which computes the wind turbulence patterns in the city, right? So you can place a building and you have a CFD simulation in seconds rather than hours, right? Wow, and, and CFD is, is extremely intense. Yeah, yeah, it's it's intense. It takes hours, right? So, but it's also like super helpful to know like what kind of turbulences occur there. And imagine that if this would be a product, I imagine that we could have a quite a big community, like 
bunch of architects using that, you know, as a plugin for SketchUp, for instance, right? Yeah. Which will tell you that, you know, here you are producing some kind of vertices which are quite quite strong, right? Maybe. So and if and and this is something which I think that might happen, but I don't know what Samuel Wilkinson is doing right now, but I saw this piece of his, I mean it's really great and it really shows the like the power of AI which speeds up the process and by speeding it up it brings it closer to architects, right? Because that's, instead of a domain of a specialist, it, you know, the initial judgment on how good something is or, you know, the evaluation is done instantly in, during the design process, right? So that's something which, uh, yeah, it, it's kind of kind of a breakthrough, let's say. That's fantastic because that's, that's process that before we completely neglected because of time, because of commercial pressures and so on. And now, I mean, I think now sometimes, you know, the ball is on our side to now make information out of that. I mean, we have, we might have information coming from that, but how do we plot to, how do we take that and make better buildings out of it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. Well, that's infrastructure. I would say the problem is infrastructure. <laughs> like everything so, in between. Mm -hmm. I think, um, I think it's time for us to close. Uh, any, any final comments you want to say? Not really. I think we talked for a long we time. A lot. We covered a lot. Uh, that's, I mean, yeah, we, maybe you can edit the talk to be just a bit short. <laughs> I think, I think no, we, it's going on, this is one go, huh? Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it, there was quite a lot of, uh, I mean, I try not to speculate, but I think that maybe we did it a couple of times during this talk. We just con always like bringing up con controversies, you know, <laughs> that's what I, uh but that's good maybe we can have some controversy out we have there to. it's we have to. uh yeah you know actually i'm really curious to see i mean today you know in 2021 right and we know we there's so many things we didn't expect it to happen on the last year mm -hmm. and in the same way that you know you were wanted to be an architect then then a dentist then an architect again i wonder i mean if if we we get to catch up again in 10 years you know yeah, Where was, the hell were you doing by then? <laughs> yeah, maybe that painting thing will come back and I'll just become Absolutely, the artists, you know, I will, you will be on a, on a rural area painting with some AI assisting as well, you know? No, I wouldn't like, and that's... <laughs> you will just keep it I wouldn't pure. like AI to, to paint for me, right, really. And that's, as an architect, like, you know, I, I, don't, I don't do architecture, right? But as an architect, I wouldn't like AI to design something for me, but I would like AI to tell me whether the thing which I did is okay or not, maybe. Interesting. Another, Interesting. another view on that, right? <laughs> okay, Matthias. Yeah, I, mean, I don't really have any like final thoughts, but I mean, it was a nice talk and yeah, that's good. We, we should, I mean, we should just, as a community, I think that we should just talk a bit more. You know, we have conferences, I mean, not now, but we have conferences and symposiums and all of that, but I just think that it's not happening too often. I think a regular thing would be a bit better Right, you know, every conference is happening once a year, uh, or yeah. once every two years, and I think that uh, it's also like super stressful for everyone because everyone tries to prepare for that. But having uh, you know a, a, a bit loose atmosphere with uh, you know with a bigger public or maybe not even the public, but with a bigger crowd, and then when when people can talk about like concrete stuff. And also with not only with architects, but also with like some specialists or uh, with investors as well, right? So we are missing the, the the key part, the you know the the money bit, right? The, the money. Investor, 
discussions, right? And it would be, I think it would be just a great, great idea. So let's hope that this podcast will be like one of those steps towards this direction where we can have, you know, just more people talking about things. Absolutely. Well, I, we already we did a, a lot of amazing interviews uh, into this and it's building the repertoire. But I like what you said. I think I think also even conference come from that more traditional stereotype of once a year when things also move much slowly. Mm-hmm. And now if you compare where you were a year ago, where I was a year ago, it's a completely different version of myself. Yeah. That, you know, so I completely agree, like we need more dynamic ways and more, and especially cross collaboration, something that I learn a lot. One mm-hmm. of my, my, one of the many key takeaways that I'm taking is, at least myself as an architect, I'm hanging too much with all the architects. Uh, and that's hurting our discipline a lot, you know? Because yeah. we keep talking about the very same problem, but there's so many other problems we haven't discovered yet. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's true. And also there is just so different, so many different views on the industry, right? And I think that the big, uh, the big issue with, with, you know, the limited view is that it, in the end, when it's applied in practice, there is always some tool, like some uh, part in the chain, which tells that it's not going to work, right? That's quite a common thing, right? Like when, you know, we can have a really great tool, but then in the end, someone tells you that it doesn't comply with some regulations, for instance, right? Or to have that knowledge, it takes like, you know, some more experienced person than I am, for instance. I think that maybe once I'm 60, I will know everything or 70 or I don't even know, like, you know, 120. Yeah, but you know, being able to see the entire view, like the entire view of this entire process and understanding each bit, it's like, it's really valuable. So maybe we should also reach out like to like really, uh, really experienced people like in the field, like people who are maybe even uh, on, you know, not working anymore, but just understanding this entire process would be really, really great. Uh, you know, from different perspectives, the investor's perspective, the client's perspective, the, you know, the, the builders, the, you know, yeah. that would be really great. Absolutely. Okay, Matthias, thank you. I cannot thank you enough. It's been amazing. And also you, you gifted with a lot of time and a lot of thoughts. Um, so yeah, looking forward. And yeah, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Bye-bye.